Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gabby Roslin Podcast. Hello. Gabby Roslin here. Thank you so much for listening. This week, we are really spoiling you. We have two fantastic guests for your ears. Firstly, it's the brilliant star who played King George in the biggest show ever, Hamilton. We, of course, chat all about Hamilton and the genius that is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And the story of how he got the part in Hamilton is amazing, trust me. Plus, working on huge films like Les Miserables, 1917, Star Wars with Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, George McKay and starring in impressive TV series Quiz with Michael Sheen and Honor with Keely Hawes. Wow, what a CV. And stay tuned for Pixie Lot, one of the sweetest people on this planet. We talk about moving house with her partner in lockdown and their postponed wedding plans with her many bridesmaids. Also writing and releasing her first album when she was only 14 and her work on The Voice Kids, which I love. She tells some amazing stories about collaborating with Stevie Wonder, yes, Stevie Wonder, and John Legend, plus writing and recording her new music through lockdown. Please can I ask you a favour? Would you mind, please, following and subscribing by pressing the follow or subscribe button on the show? Now, I have to tell you, this really honestly does not cost any money. It's completely free. And then if you wouldn't mind, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. You simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap to rate and press write a review. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. First up, King George himself, Michael Gibson. Enjoy. My teenage daughters both know every single word to Hamilton. Do you know what? They pro- they probably know it better than I do because, I mean, that's what I'm finding is that there are kids out there who literally... Like, I know the Goonies word for word, whereas kids these days know Hamilton word for word. And it's um, there are certain parts of Hamilton which I, I do... I did and sometimes do try to rap along to if it's on in the car and I still can't get it right. <laughs> that show is is a worldwide phenomenon and we have to start with that only because I dropped my daughter off at school and she was like, you are going to be speaking to the king. I mean, King George Hamilton. Mum, do you not understand how enormous <laughs> this is? And he won an award. So I know, I know. But that's the excitement. So we have to start with that. What do you want to know? <laughs> All right, take me back to the beginning when you got that call about, right, we'd like you to audition for Hamilton. Did you just go, what, the biggest show on stage ever? Well, kind of. I mean, it, it, it rewinds a little bit further back than that for me because um, I am an officially a musical theatre geek. I trained in musical theatre and I love, 
I'm I'm normally listening to musical theatre or or trying to di- try yeah exactly trying to discover the latest musical. I'm I'm currently trying to get the rights for a children's book at the moment, which I'm hoping to turn into a musical, which which I'll tell you all about later. But um, so Hamilton started with me in the sense that I discovered it as a soundtrack after I'd seen in the Heights in London the the the, the London version of it at the Southwark Playhouse, which which I had some lovely friends in. And um, and thought, well, that was really good. I should probably listen to this thing called Hamilton. So I did, and initially thought, wow, this is really good. But then, over the course of about a week or two weeks, found myself not being able to switch it off. And every time I listened to it, just became more and more. It became deeper and deeper ingrained into me thinking this is probably one of the most incredible things I've ever heard it's up there with Stephen Sondheim and and you know Leonard Bernstein and you know and just it, but in terms of the way it's got hold of pop culture and and rap and R&B and hip-hop and musical theatre and kind of just brought brought it to a whole new level so I just continued listening and listening and listening to it and then um I remember listening to King George and thinking oh this is a really cool song wow what a great number because it is it's kind of the only real sort of number in the show where somebody sort of comes on but maybe maybe Jefferson does in act two but he's kind of established at that point I thought that's a what a great song for a for a great part for somebody and um you know, had a little sing of it in the car and thought, yeah, I could probably sing this if I had a go. But then, but didn't really think anything of it and just thought, well, they're obviously going to get somebody super famous to play this part or, you know, somebody who's, you know, a bit of star casting. And um, about, God, this must have been a good over a year before I even auditioned for it. I mentioned it to my agent saying, you know, I'd love to be seen for Hamilton. She pretty much fell off a chair and said, I've seen it and it's one of the most incredible things. Yes, absolutely, we should try and get you seen. And then... I went to New York when it had kind of just it was it'd been on for a good four or five months in New York and it was it was before the Tony Awards but it was the big hot ticket and I was in New York doing some press for something else and I thought well I'll go and see it because I I know people who could probably get me in and whatnot anyway long story short I couldn't get a ticket I tried everything and didn't get a ticket and stood outside this theatre practically in tears going that show that I really want to see is on in that theatre and I can't watch it anyway so that was that I came home with my tail between my legs and didn't see it and then probably about uh, pretty much a year or so to the day that we were in rehearsals, I, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do something that actors don't really do these days. Yeah, they call their agents, but I'm going to write to Cameron McIntosh <gasps> myself. So that's what I did. I wrote a letter to, a, like a handwritten letter to Cameron McIntosh, Sir Cameron McIntosh, who owns the pretty much most of the West End. And sent it to his office at Bedford Square, and I mean, he he kind of knew who I was because I was. I luckily I was in the film of Les Mis, and yes. my wife has worked for him a lot, Caroline. And he just he just said, "Yeah, I think that's a lovely idea. I'll put you on the list." So that was a really exciting moment oh, wow. in itself. Was like, "Wow, I've got an audition for Hamilton," and then I got an audition the week later and went in and sang all the material, and then I got a call saying it went really well they want you to meet the americans which is what they say these days when you're up for a west end show it's like they want you to meet the americans which means it's gone to a different level so i went in and met the americans just before christmas and then i was put on hold over christmas which was really hard because i was really quiet at the time there wasn't really much work and then 
and then I got a call out of the blue in the new year to say they the Americans are back in town and they want to see when when I mean the Americans I mean Thomas Kale who's the director and Alex Lacamoire who's the musical supervisor was Lynn Manuel there Lynn wasn't around actually because Lynn was doing everything else that he's doing at the, everything else that he was doing at the time so I didn't actually meet Lynn until until we got into the the rehearsal process but um yeah so I I, I then auditioned again final audition at Cameron's office and then got another call to say you're on hold oh and it was really positive and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and then eventually I got the call and they said you've got the job and it was just a really really exciting moment I was I was um I remember I was about to go and put the bins out and I got a call from my agent <laughs> to say you got the job it was one of those kind of you know feet on the ground moments so yeah Oh, that was my story with Hamilton. How wonderful. And did you tell Caroline, your wife, Did you? was she the first person? Well, she kind of knew because we were, yeah, well, she was standing next to me when my phone rang. And, um, you know, you do that thing where you go, oh, they're calling, meaning your agent's calling. And when you know there's a there's a call coming in that's either going to be a yes or a no, you kind of, you're, you can't help but sit there and wait for your phone to ring. It's really an irritating part of being Yeah, I an know. Actor. I get that. So yeah. anyway, so yes. Yeah, so, so when the phone rang, she sort of ran in and looked at me as if to say, "Is your phone? Who is it?" And I went. I sort of nodded as if to say, "Yes, it's them." And then she could hear the conversation when I was like, you know, the reaction of, "Oh my god! Oh wow! I got it! Wow!" And of course, she, yeah, she cried a bit, and I, I got a bit teary as well. And then we, we got quite drunk that night. It was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how wonderful! Then, of course, the um, was it the was it the big opening night that Prince Harry was on stage? So your great that was that yeah that was a great. I don't know what great 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 it is, but it's something like I think it's six. So that was that was like nine months into the run. So we opened in the December, like literally the week before Christmas. Um, and then they did this royal gala, which was on the um. It was in the or it was in the August, I think, because I remember because I'd been on holiday the week before I'd been away and like proper summer holiday had a week in in Mallorca or somewhere like that and and um and completely switched off from the show and then came back to this kind of chaos of the the royals are in and um and I had to sing that song so I was quite nervous I remember I don't know what there's something about when you have a bit of time off doing a show in a long run of a show and then you come back and you've missed that kind of adrenaline in your body and you're almost more nervous in that first couple of days when you get back than you were when you initially opened. It's really weird. And But then you had to sing in front of what would have been, and I know it's only fantasy land, your six, so great, 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 great grandson, who then proceeded to sing a few lines of your song. He did, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole thing about me singing in front of him was kind of made a little bit easier because I, it wasn't, I, only a few people know this, but they actually did come and see it about, a couple of months before that but they came kind of incognito they they there were security we knew that they were in and they came in they they sat down just before the lights went down and they left as the lights went up and nobody knew that they were even there because i think they just wanted a night out at the theater and it was and it was kept out of the press and the royal press team didn't let anybody know that they were doing it and then of course the the gala happened so so i'd kind of got over the idea of performing in front of my great 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 grandson um, but, but <laughs> yes indeed the idea of doing that royal gala i mean it was like another press night it was i mean if you were at the press night you you remember that the or the opening it was it was oh, mental it was i mean people just went mental for that show so yeah it was a it was a really it was a moment to tell the grandkids for sure so yeah well, if you I, please accept this as a compliment, I thought you were fantastic. I thought you were, um, thank you, really outstanding in it, and I loved how camp it was. But you took it seriously, and I love camp. Thank we, you. 
We both trained at Guildford at GSA. and That's um, right, yeah, GSA, yeah. Certainly camp comes into three years training. You have to be able to embrace camp, and I think you certainly did. Absolutely. And then you won the Olivier Award for it. How thrilled were you? I mean, hugely, hugely, enormously <laughs> thrilled. Well, how, I mean, that's the thing. How, do, how, do you, how does a person prepare for something like that? I mean, it was, it was, it's something that you dream about. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to be nominated for, for an Olivier when I was 21, 22, um, just turned 22, when I did a show called Our House many years ago, and, and I didn't win. So I, so I knew what it was like to kind of have all that excitement and then it not go my way and, and it to be equally as exciting to, to just be recognised. So I was prepared for everything, really. But then, of course, when they call your name out and you're at the Royal Albert Hall sat next to your wife and you know it's on telly and your, your parents are sat up in the gods watching and, and it's for Hamilton, was, was kind of like, wow, I can't quite believe this has just happened and especially when when they called my name I don't really remember much about that but I I just remember suddenly standing on stage at the at the Royal Albert Hall and going oh god it's happened and I'm and there's however many thousand people (laughs) sat staring at me expecting me to say something um and I I luckily I had written something down and I and I just read it I didn't even come off the book I just read it and got off really um and it was amazing I mean just to be yeah to be you're only as good as your last job, really. So to be recognised for that job means that I'm 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 hopefully going to get more work out of it. So that's the that's the main thing for me, really. You well, you should do. My goodness. And what is Lin Manuel Miranda like? I imagine him. Please tell me. Okay, this is my fantasy world. I imagine him just full of laughter and fun and kindness and and creativity a real sort of bundle of that please tell me he's like that absolutely yeah i mean he's he's a he's an incredible man i mean to have written that show and to have written another show and all the other stuff he's written i mean first of all his mind is just so inspiring just to be next to um yeah he's a lovely lovely guy and i mean what what i get from from him is 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 that one, he's a writer and he creates this stuff, but it's the way he collaborates with his team. So Tommy Cale, who directed Hamilton, who's going to take over the world at some he just directed Fosse Verdon and was which won lots of awards. That. And yeah, oh. yeah. And he, and I mean, before that, he was, he'd done bits and bobs on screen, but he's predominantly theatre and, and, and stuff. But um, he's, he's going to be the next J.J. Abrams or Spielberg or whatever his path will be and then Alex Lacamoire who is who is Lynn's musical collaborator when it comes to Lynn's music he basically gives it to Alex and Alex kind of takes it to another level so Alex um is also responsible for the music on he doesn't write but he I think he does write on his own but he's a musical supervisor so he kind of looks after all of the music so he also supervised the world's greatest showman and dear evan hansen and i mean there's no coincidence there that those are some of the biggest productions in the world um so to watch lynn kind of come into a room i mean i think it was a strange process for lynn because it you know it was on in london which obviously was a huge dream come true for all of them especially him but he wasn't in it and there was nothing really for him to do at that stage because he wasn't the director, he wasn't the musical supervisor, yet he trusted his team to kind of, and his and, and all the associates that get it on, um, to kind of just put it on. So he, 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 he kind of stayed out of everyone's way until, I mean, like I said, I didn't meet him until 
what we call the sitz probe, which is where you... Um, the what? What? The sitz probe. It's a German word for... I think it basically means where the orchestra meet the cast. It's an opera It's an opera term. And it's where you where you play the music for the first time with, with the orchestra. And it's, a, it's probably the most exciting day in musical theatre. It's where you get to hear the music with the band. Um, so we, we, we did this thing called the sitz probe, which is we went to some studio in southeast London and... And they set the band up in a st- in a room, and we all stood there with microphones and sang the music for the first time with all the with with the orchestrations. It was incredible. So Lynn was there for that, and I kind of briefly met him and said hi. I'm Mike, and he went hi. You're you're Mike. Yeah, yeah. You're playing the King. Nice to meet you. Good luck. And that was kind of that. And then he kind of was around, like he was just one of the team, really. Um, you know, he would sit in the auditorium during tech and make the odd suggestion to the team, but kind of in quite a respectful way kind of didn't get involved in especially you know the uh, Jamail and 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 um Ash who were who were playing Hamilton you know Jamail who played Hamilton six uh, seven times a week and Ash who did it on the Monday um he didn't sort of overpower them and give them notes he just kind of he's just a really good collaborator he he understands that this is a process and was just really respectful of that and yeah he was a really nice man and then he kind of disappeared for a bit because he was super busy filming i think he was filming um his dark materials at the time down in cardiff so he was about so he'd pop in and out you know and he was just very nice and you know a nice man and i think must have been very strange for him to not be in it <laughs> you know oh, it's so lovely to hear well i mean obviously uh we we watched it um the, on disney they have it streaming i think it's one of the biggest yeah, stream yeah, things but hopefully when it's open back on stage then we can all go and see it in real life because i'm missing live theater i know i know i think a lot of people are missing everyone's missing live theater at the moment i mean it's just such a shame you know what when i was reading about you and i, I obviously we're going to talk about quiz which was a massive yes. massive show but you've been in some of the biggest films star wars les mis 1917 yeah. beauty and the beast Burton and Taylor, Riot Club. And then, of course, um, you were in Honour on ITV as well, which was yeah. so carefully done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, was. the very, very, very um, difficult and traumatic and heartbreaking story. Um, but ITV, I think, again, just handled it beautifully. It was so well written. All of you guys were just so sensitive really really sensitive i mean that and dares are the two shows that everybody was talking about in 2020 yeah brilliant no i've been i've been very i've been very lucky in terms of you know the work that i've that i've done and and um you know i've i've been in some big films and it's been it's been a real experience yes yeah start 1917 (laughs) yeah they've been they've been some big they've been some big ones and it's been it's been a real experience you know to be on those sets and and work with some of the most incredible and and what you know the thing that i find most interesting because i'm an actor is that once you're on set with these people whether it's Anne Hathaway or Hugh Jackman or they're just normal people and that's what i find really really interesting is that they're they're just actors who get equally as nervous as as everyone else and are just trying to make sure that they're doing the right thing and getting the the words right and i mean george mckay for example on on 1917 which i mean he carries that film what a performance and he's such a nice nice man i mean what a lovely lovely guy i mean when i was there doing my 
bit on it because of the way they shot it, which has obviously been in the press about it was all one continuous shot. Was it really though? Well, well, it wasn't. It wasn't one continuous shot in terms of like they shot it all in an hour and fifty or whatever the film is. But they shot it. They very carefully worked out exactly where the camera would be, so it would be shot in sequences with different cutting points. So, so my particular bit was me and George with hundreds of extras. So I was on set for that day or that it was a couple of days like rehearsals and whatnot but then the day that I actually shot it was just me and George were the kind of the the stars of that little bit um and George was just so normal and lovely and you know wasn't taking it too seriously he was having a laugh with the crew they all liked him he liked them he was really um generous with me and all the other actors that were coming on set he would he would get involved and ask me about normal things like you know my my family and what i had for tea last night it was just really nice to to sort of you know and that's what m- most of the time that's what you come across you know matthew mcfadden again on quiz who was just the nicest guy keely hawes again who that they're all really nice people and there's a reason why i think a lot of nice people do really well because they're just really good at what they do and people want to have them around so that's what i find when i'm working on some of these big films um but yeah no i've been very lucky and i mean to be on things like Star Wars, I mean, when again, when I got the call for that, it was it was really cool. It was it really because I'm a I'm a '80s kid, and you know, Star Wars was sort of the thing. I think it's one of those things that will go down generation after generation. Let's go to Quiz, if we may, because I, I thought that was yeah. a, a extraordinary television. I thought it was so well done. Everyone was talking about it, whether they believed the 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 coughing or whether they thought he cheated or whether he didn't cheat and it sort of it brought all of that back but there you were acting with your cousin-in-law am i right right, michael's your he's my wife's so his dad and my uh, his dad and my father-in-law are brothers right oh there we go first cousin so there we are he's your first cousin-in-law his tarrant he's remarkable when he does those he doesn't impersonate he just becomes those people yeah yeah and it was and it was really interesting because obviously i know michael as as my as michael you know um (laughs) my my, as my you know my my mother-in-law's nephew and uh, yeah and i say you know and he's always busy and i occasionally spend a bit of time with him and he's always very lovely and and we talk about normal things and and then of course i saw him in the makeup chair because i'd already been filming for a for a, I think a week or so by the time he arrived and and I walked into makeup and he was sat there dre- with with his wig on and I was like oh my god and he just looked at me and he went do I look all right and I mean again it's he's a normal guy just wanting to make sure that I was like yeah god you look incredible and then he walked on set and it was actually the scene where because we were shooting all the stuff in the courtroom so I'd been sitting around doing all sorts that week just listening to various actors come in and be cross-examined by Helen McCrory and other people and then and then Michael came in dressed as Chris Tarrant it was his first day it was a big set because there were lots of extras being you know the crowd in the in the jury and whatnot and he walked on set speaking as Michael kind of but dressed as Chris Tarrant and people various people coming up to him fussing around him because it was his first day and then Stephen Frears just went because there's no nonsense with somebody like Stephen Frears he just gets on with it and and of course he trusts Michael so much because he's worked with him so many times and it was a case of right okay we'll get on with it and action and off we went and Michael opened his mouth and it was the first time anybody had heard Michael do Chris Tarrant and it was just incredible and we all just sat there and sort of I remember looking at, at, at Matthew McFadden and Sean um, who, who played the Ingrams and just going and like smiling and saying wow oh my god it's it's really like him and then 
everybody, I mean, not that everybody sort of, it was like a sigh of relief, but everybody was just like, wow, this is going to be really good. But you as well. Sorry. Look, when this, it, yeah, Michael's, <laughs> Michael's wonderful and lovely and I adore him. And when I've met him, I can't, he's a charming, lovely man. I think he's a brilliant actor. But this is about you because I have to say your performance in it was extraordinary. Thank you. And it must be, you know, you were a, a, a critical part of the whole story. So this, in case people haven't seen it, they've got to go back to ITV Hub and watch it. But um, it's about the coughing on who wants to be a millionaire and of course your character was a key component of that because he was he's real I mean so you were again you were playing a real person yeah Tequin Whittock yeah no it was it it was really interesting to play him and and I mean he's the guy that that was part of the quizzing causes all the questions yeah yeah and he he coughs yeah, he's the guy, well, allegedly coughs. He's apparently to this day, he is adamant that he has nothing to do with it. I mean, I've not met Tequin, but I met his son. His son came on set and he was a very lovely guy. And, and you know, and I think I think the whole thing was a very traumatic experience for all of them, whether they did it or not. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was it was a it was an interesting role to play because, I mean, in the entirety of the actual show, I didn't actually have that much to do, but I was always there. Like Helen McCrory, for example, had so much to do because she had so many words to say. But yet she was only filming for a week or 10 days. Whereas I was filming throughout the whole five, six weeks of filming. I'd often just be in the background coughing <laughs> without anything to say. It was, again, it was just a really interesting experience to, to work with Stephen Frears and to see somebody again at the top of their game just being brilliant at what he does and 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 of course James Graham who wrote it who's like he's younger than I am I mean you know I'm 40 this year and I think James is he's early 30s and he's he's just one of the most brilliant and lovely people that that the, the theater and and drama in general have because he has such a brilliant take on 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 the way human beings go from a to b and how the politics of the world affect that and, you know, to take something like Quiz, which originally was a play, and I have to give a shout out to my mate Gavin Spokes, who, who is one of my best friends, who who played Charles Ingram in the original play of it that was on in Chichester. And Gav was incredible in it, as were the rest of the cast. And, and um, you know, and 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 James did such a brilliant job of that play, which was directed by Dan Evans. And then, and then for it to be taken by ITV and turned into a TV show by Stephen Frears, and then for me to be there... And be surrounded by these people was just was just such an incredible experience. And again, it's that word collaboration, what, which I mentioned earlier on about Lynn and and Tommy and La- and Alex Lacamoire, was was there again with 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 the producers of of Quiz and and um, and Stephen Frears and and James Graham. They were they were constantly having conversations about how to make it better and make sure that the audience understood what was going on. And it was just a really fascinating thing to sit back and watch and and be a part of, really. So, yeah, I feel very fortunate. Well, yeah, but also because you're really good at what you do. You know, you you really are, and you, you become those characters to take on the role of somebody else who's a real person. It's a much tougher thing for an actor. Well, it, well, it is, but at the same time, it's you kind of have this source material that you get to work off, but then you get to put your own interpreter, because that's kind of what acting is, whether you're playing somebody who's real or not. You You just use the source material that you have, whether it's... You know, like when you get these castings come through to you at five o'clock on a Friday for a self-tape saying this guy is a 40-something guy with, with lots of problems in his life and that's all you've got to work with. So you've got... Whereas if you have a source material of somebody that... You know, there was there was video footage of, of Tequin, so I did I did look at it and, and see what his characteristics were like. I mean, obviously, 
he's a bit older than me or he was when when these videos were taken and you know but i just you try and just take something of it and i mean that's what michael sheen is so brilliant at and and he's had so many opportunities to be able to do that to play people that we all know so well and to do his own thing with it and i think that's what brilliant acting is and again it's just making it truthful and and to go back to you know hamilton briefly that's kind of what i tried to do with king george was to was to take the kind of you know who was this guy ultimately he was he was the king of england he nobody ever said no to him and america had just said sorry we we want to break up with you and i mean so to put that into context of how he would deal with that it's like you can't say no to me and then to put a song on top of it do you know what i mean it brings it brings it makes it funny <laughs> so that's kind of my process do you know the the strangest thing is throughout this whole uh chat with you which has been a joy so thank you i've been saying through it oh, i've got the song in my head the because <laughs> oh it really really is don't stop me because then i won't stop um uh, really it's such a pleasure to speak to you and congratulations on all that you're doing do you know do you know what's next oh you said you're making a you're writing a film or you want to do a film your own film so yeah so i'm I, well i've got things that are coming out um there's a couple of things that i've got coming out so uh, honor came out quiz came out um i'm in Edgar Wright's new movie called um, Last Night in Soho. I've got a sort of cameo role in that, which I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I'm in a film about Roald Dahl, and it's got um, Hugh Bonneville in it and Keely Hawes, and it's it's about their life with their children. And um, I play a nice role in that. But I had a busy year leading up to sort of lockdown. But then, yes, yeah, so the other thing I'm doing is I'm I'm pursuing the rights for a children's book at the moment, which I'm trying to turn into a... Uh, a theatrical piece with music with a friend of mine um, who's a very prolific young um, film composer who's never written any music called Benjamin Wolfish. Um, so that's something we're doing. And then, because um, I was involved a few years ago in a musical called Eugenius, which was on yes, um, yes. At, at the other palace. I actually was, I was meant to be the co-director of it, but couldn't do that because it all happened at the same time as Hamilton. And so I was involved in sort of creating that with the writers of, of that. And I enjoyed it so much the creation of kind of shaping and dramaturging this this musical um, that I, I really want to sort of do more of it. And like I say, I'm a musical theatre geek, so I, I know a bit about it all. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can, you know, do my own. Goodness me, you couldn't be more busy and I'm delighted to hear it. I love to hear when an actor is busy doing what they love to do and it's and it's so cool to talk to you because obviously you know i used to watch you on the big breakfast and all the other shows when when i was younger and then and then obviously when i went to gsa guildford school of acting a lot of people would talk about the who went there you know michael ball celia emery gabby roslin and um i remember doing the i didn't do it but all my year were involved in there was a big concert at the ivanano theater for ian ricketts yes and you I was came there. on and did something and i and I, re- I remember a couple of my friends saying that they'd met you and how lovely you were. So, oh, yeah, I remember coming to watch it. Well, that's very kind yeah, of you. So thank you, you very much indeed. <laughs> what I'd like to hear is actors not having to retrain and doing exactly what they love and what they do brilliantly. Long may you thrive, my lovely, thank and you. congratulations. And do send your wife my love as well. I will. Thanks, Gabby. Cheers. Lots of love. Bless you. And now, as promised, here is my chat with the very sweet singer, Pixie Lot. Pixie, do you know what? If I, it's very funny. My husband said to me this morning, "Oh, who are you speaking to?" And I just said, "I'm speaking to the girl who epitomises the word sweet, and I mean that with such love. I think you must be one of the sweetest people that I've ever met in this industry." (laughs) Oh my gosh, 
gosh, that's so nice, Gabby. But coming from you as well. That's too kind. Thank you. You really are. You always, you are, I mean, what I'm, you know how thrilled I am that you're doing the voice kids because it, it just fits mm. perfectly with you because the amount of charity stuff you do, the work that I've seen you do with kids through World Child and, and mm. other things that you do and the amount of times that I've interviewed you, you are just, you have the kindest, sweetest soul and heart you really do so your parents must be very proud oh that's so lovely Gabby I don't really I don't know what to say but <laughs> thank you so much just um, there, there we go oh but I feel the same about you you're so you're so lovely whenever I see I think the last time I saw you was at well child wasn't it yeah amazing charity absolutely amazing and my goodness charities need help right now but um can we just talk about Ollie, Oliver, who you know I adore as well. So what's <laughs> happening? You and Oliver have been together, is it 10, 11 years? Yeah, it's 10, like nearly 11 years, I think. Um, it's been a long time. We moved into a new place, finally. We've lived in the same flat for 10 years. Um, so we've just been surrounded by boxes and bags and like so much <laughs> stuff. And I'm just wondering how, how it's all going to fit in and where we're going to hang everything up. And even like today, um, doing this from the new place, like we, our Wi-Fi hasn't kicked in yet. So I'm trying, I've like hotspotted my phone so that I can talk to you today. And the TV's not linked up yet. So it's all a bit, all a bit crazy settling into the new place new place but we're we're very excited and obviously we were meant to get married yes so what's <laughs> happening that, with that well we've got big families and so we want to wait till there's you know the the rules are are not in place where we can invite all the people that we want to invite um so we're just sort of waiting and we didn't want to because obviously the rule changed to 15 people and it's not really gonna be good for us because I've already got like so many bridesmaids it goes over 15 anyway so we, we really do we've got to wait now so hopefully soon as soon as like we get the green light we've got like the place we love we've got um loads of things decided and then we can just go full steam ahead oh well listen good luck I know so many people um have had to delay yeah. for you guys and for everybody else who's going to get married and celebrate it's tough. It's tough, isn't it? It is. It's, it's very different times, as everyone's saying. But we've, you know, we've got something to look forward to. And we just have to, you know, enjoy what we have. And as always, like, make the best out of the situation. So um, we're, we're definitely keeping busy with all, like, the, the house move and stuff like that. And then, yeah, when when the restrictions go, then we can crack on with the wedding i will do send him my love because you know i think he's lovely he's such I a, will. you two are so well suited those children are going to be beautiful they're going to be <laughs> ridiculous um, we mentioned the voice so let, let's let's start with that um it's it's very interesting because people saw you as a pop star and and i know you of course as musical theater and you've been in in movies and things but um but that suddenly changed the way people perceived you is that just me watching that from the outside or do you think that has made a big difference? I don't really know. I don't really, um, I'm not really, sh I guess I don't really focus on that side of things, like how, how, I don't really know how I'm perceived, but it's something that I've 
absolutely loved. And um, it's a world that I grew up in completely from such a young age, from, from as young as I can remember. So I know exactly how it feels to be in their shoes. Um, you know, going through those audition processes, which I still do now to this day. Um, and I love working with the, the talent. Like, it honestly blows my mind. They're so amazing. They're so young. They've got their whole careers ahead of them. And um, I just love working with that talent and also building their confidence. And a lot of them come to the show and they don't actually realise how, how brilliant they are. Um, and it's such a, an experience, such a, an amazing platform for them to learn so much and take it with them as they go into the industry. Um, but it's brilliant. It's so feel good. It's so warm. It's, I just, I really, really, really love it. Maybe I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I've said it to your face. I'm going to say it now. I prefer it to the, to the grown-up one. <laughs> Well, I I say that, but I'm obviously biased. I'm pleased that you think the same. <laughs> no, I really do. Um, when you so you were really young, you were in Chitty Bang Bang on stage. You were in um, Sound and Music. I mean, as a professional, not just at school shows. What was that like? Were you aware that you were doing something incredible and different than your friends, or was it just because you were that age you just took it in your stride? Yeah, I guess for me, like I've I've honestly been performing and and singing my whole life, like I said. So it sort of felt like a natural step. And I went to a performing arts school, so all of my friends were all singing and dancing, up and down the the corridors, and it was just a world that I grew up in. Um, so I didn't really know any different, but I just knew that I loved performing and music more than anything, and and it's something that that has helped me um, stay just so focused because I always had something to strive towards. Some of my friends wasn't sure, you know, what, which industry to go into or um, what career they wanted to go down. And I've always been so sure. So I've always had something to strive towards. So it's music above all the others, even though you've done musical theatre, is, is your pop career your music career the sort of the the top of that I love so many different sides of performing and I'm sort of obsessed with getting as rounded as a performer as possible so that's like acting or dancing or anything that is in that world because I think it helps you as an artist overall but my number one will always be writing and and performing my own songs that's what I've loved doing I started like writing my first album that got released at like 14. That's and amazing, 14! I, lo- I just loved it and, I, and, and my passion hasn't like died down. I still absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, I think that will always be my number one. But I love learning, I love learning new things as well. So I'll always take on new challenges in that, in that field. And obviously when I went to performing arts school, we did musical theatre growing up. So I love that as well. And I love all your, on Instagram, Gabby, your singing videos and your, when you do musical <laughs> theatre. So it makes me so happy. You're so positive and, and it's so nice to wake up and watch your videos and see so oh, much joy. But <laughs> musical theatre is, you know, it's something I absolutely love. I really, really do love it. And um, you were so good in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, I snuck in and saw that and after I'd interviewed you on TV about it and I went to see it and it was just 
it was lovely. You would it would <laughs> it was a perfect place for you. And that's I think I'm sort of trying to push you to go and back and do I, when it opens and it won't it will be back and it will be bigger yeah. and stronger than ever I hope. That the yeah. musical theater because of strictly as well. So you can dance, you can sing, you can act. You have extraordinary stage presence. It would be a shame not to do musical theatre. Oh, thanks. Just for me, because I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Gabby. And I, I did. I absolutely loved doing Breakfast at Tiffany's. And thanks so much for coming to watch it. Because I learned so much. I learned so, so much. It's definitely, like, the hardest thing I've ever done. Is it, like, I love doing tours with my band and doing my own music. And that that's amazing but this was so much harder we did like eight shows a week for almost a year and it was such a um dense piece of of writing and the second act was so um dark because it was based on the book not the film and so it got me to a really like sad place um so doing that over and over and over and over I learned so much in the acting side of things but at the end i I was so drained, I think, because it was a lot. It was so much. But again, one of the, the most rewarding experiences because I learned so, so much. And I think every little experience like that does help you overall as an artist. Yeah, I'm not, I, you really, you were so good. But I think, so, so I know for a fact that your favourite film, I might be wrong, you might have changed it, was is Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman <laughs> is, is going to be the musical on stage. And obviously yeah. it's been postponed. I think you should do that. Thank you, Gabby. I need to, you need to be my agent. Okay, no <laughs> problem. That's it, done. I've got you the job. No, not at all. <laughs> Um, okay, so on to the music stuff. Now, when cause obviously yesterday I was going through everything. I was in um, in a, a, a pixie land. And uh, my goodness me, your collaborations and people you've written with. I mean, collaborated with Stevie Wonder, John Legend. I mean, they're huge. Yeah, I can't actually believe it. Even you just saying that there, it, it, it was... Um... Just crazy. I think that was my second album. And they're like two of my heroes. They're both so incredibly talented. And they were literally being in the right place at the right time scenarios. How did it happen? How did that come together? How did you and Stevie Wonder? Well, he's like one of my all-time favourites. Like just, you know, as you know, just like a living legend. And um, we were actually... I have to think back to it. We were in the same um, restaurant at the same time. So we were just so lucky. And he was sitting with someone that I knew from no years before. No way. So he came over and was like, oh, can I introduce you to my friend? I was like, sure. But I didn't know it was Stevie Wonder. <gasps> and um, I came over to the table. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was like, my eyes were welling up. It was like mad. And he was just the most loveliest just most gracious man ever just everything that you'd hope and more um and then from that that's how we got to do a collaboration so I wrote a song with the guy who with the mutual friend and um Stevie featured on it playing the harmonica and he sounded just like so amazing and it was so cool and then how did the John Legend come about and then John Legend um collaboration came about because Again, we have a, a friend that we both knew and um, we got introduced. 
I think I think she'd sent him some music and then and this was a long time ago as well. This was album number two. And we were both in New York at the same time. So, um, and I think we had the same publishing company. So we just met at the studio and, and to see if anything came out. And he started playing the piano straight away. It just sounded like insane. And a song was written so quick. And then it went on the album. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. See, I, I mean, I love the fact that even hearing you talking about it and you're a huge star and everybody knows who you are and around the world and everything, but I love that you're still in awe. And, and I get the feeling that you... That, that you get in awe of people. Do you, are you like that when you see somebody that you really respect? Do you go to bits? Of course. Like, oh my gosh, of course. They're like absolute legends. And I remember like definitely meeting Stevie. I was like just taken very aback. And also I had that with Mariah Carey. I remember it was a very, very brief encounter. Very, very brief. What happened? My eyes welled up again. And I was oh. like, oh my gosh. And it was like a two second meet, but it just was like, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> and is, is there anybody um, that you'd still like to do a collaboration with or to meet? And would you go, would you well up over them? Um, I don't know. I guess you don't really know until you're there in the moment and it happens. Um, but I'm sure I will definitely have, those, have that again if that happens. But um, collaborations wise... There's so many. It could be anybody, anybody on the planet, okay? So I've now got a magic wand Ooh. and it's to grant you the collaboration of your dreams. Who is it? <laughs> oh, there's so many. I've Honestly, got a little, okay, it's um, waving now. It's waving. Diddly, 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 so like for the new music that I've been making, it, a lot of inspiration has come from um, like Fleetwood Mac, Joni Mitchell, Carol King vibe. So... Any of those would just be unreal. Um, but also um, Coldplay, Chris Martin, that would be amazing too. Well, we can make that happen. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Hi, Chris! I'm just, you know. He seems, Thanks, he happens to be here. Yeah, yeah. Chris, uh, Pixie would, yeah, that's, pick, yeah, Pixie Lot. Yes, she'd love to do it. What's so odd is I'm looking over there as if you can't see, but I'm looking in that direction as if he really is over there. Yeah, if I can make it happen, I would for you, my sweet. Um, uh, oh, so what new you. stuff? Tell me about the new stuff then. That sounds really sort of um, folky. So it's more folky. Yeah, there's, there's definitely has those influences. Um, I've, I've been really loving writing this new stuff because it's literally just been me and a, and a few guys, which is the first time I've ever done an album like that. Usually there's loads of different people and loads of different sounds and go to loads of different places. Um, but this has been a very cohesive sound and body of work and it's just very raw and honest and and it's the music I've always wanted to make, really, but it's taken me a long time to get to this place. Um, and it's nearly finished. We figured out a way how to do it over, finish it over lockdown. I've, I've got like a little bedroom set up going on. That was hard at first because of all the technical difficulties and setting it up and the sound wasn't coming through and all of this, but we figured it out now and it runs smooth. So I think I can finish it off like through these times because usually I have to fly to LA because they're based over there, but we've figured it out. And when's that going to come out? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Not sure just yet. I think once we've finished it all up, um, then we can make the plan of when it can come out. Um, but it really is like a, an album sound. So I don't want to, you know, do drop singles or 
EPs or go down that route. I really, I still believe in the album. With having so many number ones, do you, when you release new music, do you have that really awful fear that, oh, I hope it gets to there or I hope it doesn't or if it doesn't, that, um, do you have all of those fears or do you just go with the flow? I tend to go with the flow only because if I start focusing on all of that, then I'm just going to go down a rabbit hole and that that is not going to be good for anyone. So I've always just gone with the flow. You know, you do you do what you can and then you let it out and see what happens. And if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't stick, it doesn't stick. And you just keep keep on going. Keep on keeping on. Yeah, I hope you, well, you will. You've got, there's so much that you've still got to do. It's amazing. Uh, can Thank we just you, talk man. about the World Cup song? Was it 2014? Was it 2014 you did the World Cup song? I can't remember when that was. But I think it was something like that. Oh, my God, I have no idea where time goes. This year doesn't count, so that's only... Yeah, yeah this year just, doesn't yeah. count. No, it doesn't count. We're not including this year. Um, yeah, so that and just seeing with all the other people and everything, I just get the feeling that you love to be around people and that you love mm. to work with lots of people. Yes, I do love... I love... I'm a people person. I love collaborating. I love... I love working with new people and, uh, yeah, I just think it, you know, playing off each other and collaborating and, and brainstorming ideas and things like that. I love that. And how about all the, so the, the modelling and, because uh, you're, now you're a podcaster as well. So all of these other things, they, they're all sort of secondary then, are they? In a, in a nice way, in a nice second place. Yeah, I guess like, a, yeah, music will always be my, my first love. But there's, there's so many things that I love as well. I love, I have so many different um, hobbies and, and things. But um, it's fun that we can sort of do them all. And uh, sometimes that's my problem, though, I think. Because um, I do have so many other interests. I, I've got to keep focused you know on one thing I think that's what I find hard sometimes um but I love I love doing the podcast um I love your podcast Gabby pleasure to be on bless you yeah and I think it's fun to keep um other interests going to mix it up a bit I do I know about something that you can do which is a really strange thing that I found out online that, and and what's really strange is I'm going to ask if we can do it now, which I don't suppose okay. it will work online. But <laughs> is this what true is that you are the greatest, the world's greatest uh, starer, that you can outstare somebody without laughing? I know it's so weird. It's like the weirdest thing ever. But I can stare. I'm a good starer. <laughs> so weird. But you just and you cannot laugh. No, I I it's. I think I could, I laugh during it, but I don't blink. Usually, you know, the other person will blink first. It's like staring competition. And I can just hold that gaze. And I oh, don't blink. <laughs> how did you find out that you had this hidden talent? I don't know how I found <laughs> out. I can't remember. I was just, um, I, don't know. I don't know how it came about. I just figured it out somehow. And oh, it's, it's so um, funny. It's a good little party trick. <laughs> well, let's try it now. Okay. Now you have to How can stare. we try? Well, so you, you just have, have to be to honest if you blink. Yeah, Gabby. no, yeah, we will. Okay. Right, okay. okay. Three, two, I'll keep talking though, okay? Okay. And see if you can not blink while you're talking at the same time, okay? Okay, and you're going to do it as well? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I'll tell you if I blink. I've just, hold on, I'm getting the blinks out. Blinks okay. are there. All the blink blinks have gone. Out. Okay, three, 
two, one. Okay, I'm not going to blink. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Oh, I blinked. I blinked. I blinked straight oh, away. Blinked, blinked already. Well, that was an oh. easy one. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, all right. I'm going to see how long I, you can not blink for. So I'm going to ask you questions and see if you can carry on not blinking, all right? Okay. Okay, three, I've two. I've got to focus. Well, yeah, three, two, one. I bet I'm going to make you blink now. I know I can make you blink. So, Pixie, I ask everybody in these podcasts what makes them properly laugh. So whilst not blinking, you have to tell me what makes you properly laugh. Oh, my God, Gabby. I've blinked already. (laughs) Yes, you see. You see. Oh, my gosh. Should I tell you what it is? I think I've cracked it. Why, I'm a good sharer. Oh, my God. Sorry. That's my glasses falling off. That's Um, right. I've cracked it. It's because, because at the moment I'm in my glasses, because obviously this is like just audio, so I haven't got my makeup or my hair done, my glasses are on. And usually when I do the staring competition, I've got my contact lenses in. That's what it is. And they keep the eyes, they keep the eyes going. They keep the stare going. I've cracked (laughs) it. That's the secret. So when I put my glasses on, I'm rubbish. That's so funny. I've got my glasses on too, so I'll blame my glasses. Yeah, I'll blame my glasses. <laughs> um, so what does make you properly laugh? Because you like a giggle. I've seen you giggle a lot. I love a giggle. Um, what makes me laugh? Uh, I love watching funny films. I love, I love going to see stand-up comedy. I actually did have... Uh, I booked tickets to see Matt, Rich- Matt Richardson do his stand-up show. Obviously, that's been postponed. Um, I just think laughing's really important. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, my God, yes. 100%. Like, if you're feeling a little bit down or a bit overwhelmed, I always recommend watching a funny film, a comedy film, rather than something intense, you know, on Netflix that's, like, quite deep. Go for a, a comedy and it just makes you feel so much better. Okay, which one? Oh, which one? Um, I always think a classic comedy is um, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, it's very funny. That is funny. <laughs> I'm now tempted. I might go and do that this evening. Right, that's my choice for tonight. I, I mean, I have to say, I'll give you, you gave me Dumb and Dumber. I'm going to give you When Harry Met Sally. Because oh my gosh, I love that funny. film. Yeah, there we go. Classic. I've given you a film, you've given me one, It's that's it. The other thing I know about you, which is a really weird thing to know, that if this is true online, that you have mayonnaise on everything. I do, yeah, I do. I love it. It's it's a classic. It goes on my roast dinner. But now I found a combination where I put my Tabasco in my mayo, spices it up a bit, and that is delicious. Why don't you, mate? You should You should actually bring that out. Should I? Yeah. The pixie, the pixie pickle, or the pixie, the the spicy ma- pixie spicy mayo. Oh yeah, I've got it there. Oh, I love it. You're, you're giving me lots of ideas today. There we go. Yeah, well, you're, you're my agent mayo. now, aren't you? You can make it happen. <laughs> While we watch Dumb and Dumber, um, uh, you are a complete and utter delight. Carry on being the delight that you are, and will you please let us know as soon as you have that new music out because um, I will be singing, not singing your songs, but I will be singing the fact that you got new music out because I am, I just oh. think you're adorable. As I said, please thank send you your so family, much. my love, because they should be very proud. Oh, thank you so much, Gab. It's so lovely to catch up with you. Hopefully I'll get to see you in real life soon. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Coming up on next week's episode, we have the wonderful Judge Robert Rinder, MBE. That Gabby Rosen podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your reviews. I promise that the team and I have read them all and we really are rather overwhelmed and they really mean the world to us. So thank you so much. If you kindly leave a review or a comment, that would be lovely. Thank you. Thank you.